Welcome to the Jesus Movement Podcast, presented by Awaken the Dawn. We host conversations so you can hear stories from across the movement, receive fresh biblical insights, and gain practical tools to experience more of Jesus's presence in your life, ministry, and city, because we believe Jesus changes everything. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly. Today, we have special guest, Lee M. Cummings. He is the founder and the pastor of Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he's also the overseer for the Radiant Network, a network of churches that is passionate about the presence of God and prayer and the activity of the Holy Spirit. And you are going to want to stay tuned for our episode today as we talk about Lee's journey, what God's doing with praying churches right now. And if you want to be a part of what God's doing, if you want to be a part of the Jesus movement, what he's doing, his kingdom coming to the earth, you're going to want to tune in, hear the stories, hear the testimonies, and hear the revelation uh, that Lee's going to share with us today, because we believe he's stirring up the church to pray, and he's pouring out his spirit upon us in an amazing way because he wants to release revival and see his kingdom come on the earth. So we believe you are to be a part of that. So please stay tuned to the end, enjoy this episode, share it with some friends because it's going to be amazing. Lee, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Welcome. Hey, it's my joy, Matthew. So glad to be with you. Yeah, we just had you at our local church here in Greenville, North Carolina, Open Door. This past weekend, we had our conference. Yeah, what a great church. Had such a great time down there. Obviously, I'm from Michigan, so anytime in January I can head south, I'm I'm more than happy to do that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, our, our lead pastor, Aaron Kennedy, is friends with you, and he really honestly helped kind of clue me into what was happening with Radiant and your church and the network, and I, I've been connected with prayer ministries uh, and houses of prayer and and all sorts of streams in the body of Christ. And for some reason, Radiant kind of flew under my radar for years, uh, up until even even recent years. And uh, when I began to see what God was doing with you guys, I was blown away and really, really encouraged as well to see how God is just stirring pastors and churches that really have a passion for His presence and for prayer. So yeah. maybe just take a few minutes, share share some of your journey. How did you get into this role with Radiant? Uh, how did you come to know the Lord? And now this network of churches that's all over. Maybe just give us some flyby of, of your journey. Sure. Well, my wife, Jane, and I, we, we've now been married 30 years. So 20, almost 27 years ago, about this time, we moved back from Kansas City, where we had served as a youth pastor back to our hometown of Grand Rapids, because we felt like the Lord was putting on our hearts to serve Him in a different capacity. We knew that planting a church and then helping to establish other churches was a part of that, but we didn't know the time frame of it. We kind of thought in our minds, maybe, you know, three, four or five years of serving back at our home church in Grand Rapids, and then we would go and do something. But as soon as we moved home, immediately God began to put a little city about an hour south of Grand Rapids called Kalamazoo. It's a real place. <laughs> it's a college town. Uh, it's home to Western Michigan University and a couple of other colleges. God began to put that on our hearts as the place he was calling us to. And so, you know, in 1996, there wasn't a whole lot of 
information that was out there about how to successfully or effectively plant a church. We were 24, 25 years old, two kids, no experience, no money, no people, no buildings. So we were perfect candidates for God to do a miracle. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. We, we started in a small little community outside of Kalamazoo called Richland. And with a handful of people, we rented a cafetorium of the local high school. Incidentally, the mascot of the high school was the Blue Devils. And so the first room that we began to meet in had a sign over the door that said, Welcome to the Devil's Den. And <laughs> of course, that's, <laughs> that's where we started Radiant Church on September 8th, 1996. And we've consistently, we've just been pursuing the Lord from that time in our small beginnings until today. And over the course of the last 25, 26 years, God has blessed us immeasurably just with opening doors for us and helping us reach our city and the community. And you know, when you begin, when you plant a church in the beginning years, you're just trying to build a church. But as time went on and our church grew to become somewhat influential in our region, we also began to plant other churches, raise up leaders, plant other churches that carried our same heart and our same DNA for the presence of God, for prayer, for missions, for next gen, and all of those things. And we began to plant them in different cities around the area. And that's what eventually became the Radiant Network of Churches, churches that we then planted, and then other churches that over the years have now connected in with us because they have a similar passion for the presence of God and for prayer that we have. And so we've adopted them into our family. And so now, you know, I think I think we have something like 60 or 70 churches around the U.S. and a couple outside of the U.S. But it really goes back to the very beginning. In 1996, God gave me a word, spoke very clearly to me when I was in the foundation-laying period of, okay, we're planning this church. How do we do this? And in holy desperation, crying out to God, saying, God, I don't know how to do this. And I had a Holy Spirit encounter with the Lord in my car, my little Pontiac Grand Am. When the presence of the Lord filled the car, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, Lee, I want you to build a praying and a worshiping church mm. that will build the body of Christ. It will impact the nations of the earth if you'll put prayer and worship at the forefront. And so right from the beginning, that was the priority for what we were going to do. We were going to be a praying and a worshiping church. And so... You know, anybody who's built a praying and a worshiping church or a praying and a worshiping environment knows that with that commitment comes a lot of battles. You know, you got to mm. fight off a lot of birds yeah. off that sacrifice, like Abram, you know, at the altar. He's got, you got to fight the birds off. The competition and the other things that are demanding, uh, the urgent things that demand your time and attention. But to keep that front and center has been my number one responsibility over the last 26 years. And so today, you know, we're one church in three locations, but our central location in downtown Kalamazoo is what we call our Radiance uh, Ministry Center. And that's where our prayer room is at. And that's where we have a school of ministry, school of worship. And that's where we have harp and bowl style worship morning, noon and night every day from the heart of our city. So that's kind of how we got here. That's incredible. Wow. So, man, I love what God's doing through you guys. My wife and I had the privilege of going to your Arise Shine conference last year up there in Kalamazoo. Uh, Our church sent us up there because we were working to uh, birth a a prayer room 
uh, at our church, Open Door here, and sent us there to, for some encouragement and, and to build some relationships with people. And like I said earlier, it had kind of flown under the radar for me what God was doing through you guys. But I was so encouraged because when I went, I didn't know anybody. <laughs> and usually if I go to a prayer conference, I, I know quite a number of people and um, have connected with them. And I was like, I don't know any of these people. And they're talking about the Tabernacle of David and prayer and intercession and revival and all these things I'm passionate about. And and one thing I'm, I'm a trend I'm seeing right now across the, the body of Christ in America, at least, is praying churches. He's calling a number of people like myself who have been a part of maybe citywide house of prayer or parachurch prayer ministries to really dig in to seeing local churches become praying churches or to plant praying churches. And uh, so would love to just get your perspective on that. What are you seeing yeah. God doing with this right now? Because I really feel like it's a movement and it's something fresh that God is really speaking to a lot of people right now. Yeah. Well, I do too, Matthew. I think in the next five to seven years, we're at the tipping point and inflection point of what I believe is a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit a profound revival unto or or in the in the likeness of what the Jesus movement was like in the late 60s, early 70s. I think there's a real pattern that's established there. And I believe five to seven years from now, it might be sooner, it might be later, but there's going to come a point in our future where we're going to look back at this particular moment and we're going to recognize that was the beginning of the shaking. COVID was in a lot of ways, detrimental to our culture. But what it also did in the church was it shook the foundations to reveal the weaknesses that we had in our zero-gravity environment of American Western Christian church culture. And it kind of shook it down like you're settling sand in a bag. It showed us both our strengths and our weaknesses. And I think it's a tipping point where the church is awakening to the reality that we need the presence of God, not just out in the suburbs or on the fringes of church world. We need it at the center. We need God, Jesus, to be the center, again, as if he ever should have been anything but. Right. And we need to make prayer more than a secondary ministry or something. We treat it, We have treated prayer in the church, especially in the West, like the spice rack. It's kind of like, it's what we add to everything else we do, but it's never the main thing. Wow. And unfortunately... That has produced prayer ministry or prayer focus as almost being viewed by the church as a fringe movement. And let me tell you what mm. I mean by that. So I'm a, I'm a local church guy. I'm a, I'm a pastor, church planter, leader. I live and die for the church because I believe Jesus lived and died for his church. But Amen. I have a lot of friends that have been a part of you know houses of prayer. Mike, Mike Bickle has been a mentor of mine. I have great friends. They came out of IOP and other places as well, all over the world, really. And there's always this conversation about looking at church, quote, church, and saying, well, churches really don't understand prayer and they don't prioritize prayer. And pastors within the church world kind of look at house of prayer people as the fringe, the rebels, the renegades, the super spirituals. And I find myself in the middle of that a lot of times. And here's what I say to pastors. These guys who went and built houses of prayer did so because the leaders in the church would not give them a voice 
or a prophetic recognition to know that they're trying to spark God's people back to a first love devotion in a place of prayer and fasting and that lifestyle culture, that then is the ignition to revival and fuel for the mission of the church. And so they had no place to go but outside, outside of the city wall, so to speak. And what I'm seeing now is God is really bringing house of prayer people, local church people together because we're one, one body and we have one Lord and we have one mission. We don't have two separate programs. And he's bringing them back together. And there's a reconciliation that's taking place. And that is like nitro and glycerin being put back together. If we can get house of prayer emphasis on prayer fasting back into the local church context, I'll tell you, that to me is going to be the ignition point of revival that takes place. Because you know as well as I do, you go back in any season, any era, any culture, and you trace back the lineage of revival in the church that produces awakening in communities and culture unto transformation. It always starts with a remnant of somebody in the church that is wholly desperate and wholly hungry, and they begin to pray together. So if we can get that on mass scale back into the church, which I believe that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's realigning things. He's reprioritizing things. He's stirring people. He's stirring pastors and leaders. And that's what we're seeing in our network. And I know it's much bigger and much broader than us. Yeah, that's so good. Totally agree. Prayer is not just the spices that we add to the main course. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good word. I had the privilege of getting to go to Hut, Germany last summer on a missions trip. It was the 300th anniversary of when that community had founded by the Moravians who ended up hosting 100 years, over 100 years of 24-hour prayer, sending missionaries out to the nations of the earth, just a real revival move of God in the 1700s. And while we were there, the lady that was overseeing the Jesus House, which is the house of prayer, local church community that's there, she said that Prophet James Gall came back in the 90s and get released a prophetic word from Hut that God was going to raise up the Moravian lampstand, 24-hour places of 24-hour prayer and worship would be raised up all over the earth, yes. which at the time was not happening. Yeah. Uh, but as most people listening to this podcast would know, over the last 20-plus years, that has happened. There's been an explosion of houses of prayer and 24-hour prayer around the world. But she stood up and released a—this lady stood up and released a prophetic word because they were about to hang up a bell on their— missions base that they had found. It had been lost. It was a part of Hut. They, they found this bell, wow. and they were calling it the Bell of Awakening. And, th- and last summer, they hung the bell up and were able to ring the bell again. And she said, God's ringing the Bell of Awakening to his church. And she began to prophesy. She said, it's not just going to be houses of prayer, but he's ringing the Bell of Awakening to the whole church yes. to catch the spirit of the Moravians, That's that passion for prayer and that passion for missions. Yeah. Uh, she began to release a prophetic word that it was going to be not just houses of prayer, but churches. And I said, yes, that is, that is what the Lord's doing right now. Absolutely. The way he's going to do it in churches, I believe, is he's, he's going to start with stirring the hearts of leaders. Hmm. Because too often, we're looking for the groundswell to come from the outer fringe and then ultimately convince the pastor or the leader that, yeah, we got to do this. I think God is raising up a new order of Davidic-hearted leaders, David-hearted leaders, that when they come into positions 
of power, a new generation. Uh, they come into positions of leadership and influence that the first priority of their heart, just like David, when he came into power and he conquered Jerusalem and he built his house, first thing that was in his heart was to bring the ark back front and center and to put it right there in the center of the culture and the center of city life. And I believe God's raising up pastors, even in this hour, that are going to be throwbacks in some way. They're going to be Leonard Ravenhills and A.W. Tozers, and they're going to be, you know, these old revivalists at heart that are going to take the best strategies. They're going to be culturally savvy, but they're going to bring the ark back to the center of the church again. And when that begins to happen, I had this profound vision from the Lord about a year and a half ago. And in it, I think I shared on it at Arise Shine. I saw the continent of America, and I saw in random cities all over America, as we as I panned out from the North American continent, I saw these tent poles go up from random places all over the U.S. And the Lord showed me, he says, I'm erecting a thousand tent poles, praying churches across America to re-erect the tabernacle of David over American culture again. And I really believe that. I believe God's doing it in Greenville, North Carolina. Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's doing it in Kansas City and Texas. He's doing it in Paducah, Kentucky. Who knows? I mean, wherever. But there's just going to be these churches that are going to make prayer in the presence of God a priority again. Not not churches that pray, but praying churches. Hmm. And not churches that fast, but fasting churches. And not just churches that have a subjective acknowledgement theologically of the presence of God, but an abiding, tangible manifestation of the presence of God that are going to be like tent poles. And as we begin to see these pop up all over the place, the spirit of the tabernacle of David is going to return to America in a very profound way. Yes. Come on. I love that. I was going to ask you to share that vision if you didn't anyway, so I'm glad yeah. you did. That's I love that. Obviously, tents are, are something that's you know, a big theme in my life and in our life is, uh, you know, the Wake in the Dawn movement yes. is all about tents. The Tabernacle of David was a tent. Yeah. And so that's a prophetic picture of what God's doing in wanting to tabernacle with us and yeah. have his presence and that we would become a resting place, a dwelling place. Not just us, but even our nation could become covered by his glory. What a beautiful picture. Are you familiar with the prophecy or the the word that God gave Jim LaFoon? Are you familiar with Jim LaFoon? I've met Jim LaFoon, but I don't know what prophecy you're you're talking about. Okay, so he I just had him on. We we brought him in by Zoom to our our lead team to share this. I wanted to have him in to Radiant. We couldn't arrange it, but he he popped in on Zoom. And I think it was last year or in 2020. He had what he describes as one of the most profound open visions that the Lord has ever given him in his 38 years of prophetic ministry. Mm. And he said, I saw, again, I saw the North American continent, but it was like a desert. It was like a parched, cracked riverbed, you know, where it's all cracked and it's just dry. And he said, I saw a pair of sandaled feet walking across it. Like it was Jesus. He said, but I started at the feet, did not know who it was. And he was just huge. He was large. And he was walking across North America. And he says, and in my view, I'm looking at his feet. And I'm, I begin to go up his leg. And I see the hem of his garment. And then I recognize that it's Jesus. And as I went up further, I knew that it was Jesus. But when I got to his face, 
His face was not looking down. His face was looking up. He was in prayer and intercession. And he was praying to the Father. And he said, Jesus was saying this, Father, one more time. Wow. One more time. One more time. And all across America, he said, I began to see God. And, you know, he didn't know my vision. I didn't know his. But he said, I saw that God was raising up in different places across America, these churches that were, uh, they call them cloud seeds, where they were sending up prayers that were like seeds into the cloud that would then cause the clouds to rain over different areas. Mm. And he said they were joining in an intercession with Jesus as Jesus was petitioning the Father for one more time. And what he believes that is, is that God has in his heart scheduled one more great revival across America, like yes. first, second great awakening, like the Jesus people movement, like the latter rain outpouring, like the Pentecostal outpouring. He's going to do that again, but it's going to be on the heels of God raising up partner intercessory, like these cloud seeders in these churches. So like our prayers are, I, I didn't even know it. These rainmakers, I guess you can send things up into the clouds that cause the clouds <laughs> to get heavy in the rain. And that's what our prayers are going to be like. And yeah. I think we start getting that vision for the ministry of prayer that takes place in our church, like God did in the Hebrides and Scotland and God did in Argentina during those great awakening years. God's going to do it again here. Yes. Come on. I hadn't heard that. That's incredible. Yeah. It's super encouraging. One more time. Yeah. One more yeah. time, Lord. Yes. Hey, I, I think on this podcast, we we probably have a lot of people they're they're on board with what you're saying. You know what I mean? They're the intercessors. They're the worshipers. They're the revival seekers. That's why they're tuning into a podcast like this. You know, as you talk about God raising up praying churches, I'm, I'm guessing because I've talked to a number of people who are in churches and their pastors and leaders aren't on board or they're not talking the same way you're talking and they don't understand. And so I think there can be a tension sometimes with intercessors or extravagant worshipers who yeah. go, why aren't we doing more prayer meetings? Why aren't we worshiping longer on Sunday mornings, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. so I wonder if you can maybe speak to that in, in a word of encouragement or even some wisdom in how intercessors, people that are passionate about worship and prayer, but God's called them to places that maybe don't carry that same passion in the same way. How can they navigate things in their hearts? How can they navigate things with their church leaders? knowing that God is wanting to do what you're describing. Attention, pastors and ministry leaders. We want to invite you to an ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, Utah, July 26th through the 28th. This ATD Leadership Summit is for leaders from across America that carry a shared value of hosting the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer and gospel proclamation. Our Awaken the Dawn team will be hosting the event, including David Bradshaw, Matthew Lilly, and David Valier. When you join us for this summit, you will experience real and refreshing connection with like-hearted leaders in an informal, fun, and relational environment, including four free meals together. Teaching and training sessions catered to pioneering presence-centered ministry leaders, spirit-filled and life-giving times of worship, prophetic ministry, and prayer to refresh your heart, interactive breakout sessions and workshops to dialogue about practical ministry challenges, and a regional worship and prayer gathering the weekend after the summit. 
To learn more and register, go to awakenthedawn.com today. Again, join us for the ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, July 26th through the 28th. Register now at awakenthedawn.com. We can't wait to see you there. Well, and that's a great question because we're all familiar with that. You know, if you, from the heart of a pastor, if you have 45 minutes of worship, there's always people that think should have 50. (laughs) Or if you have 18, it should be 30. Sure. Or if you have three prayer meetings a day, it should be 24 seven or whatever. And and here's, (laughs) here's the key. The key is, is especially for people that have a, a draw towards a prayer life or deeper life or revival. There's a tendency for us to feel holy discontentment, and it's always easier for us to identify the source of our discontentment outside of ourselves instead of inside of ourselves. Mm. And I believe it starts with in us. We need to recognize that that sense of holy dissatisfaction or holy discontentment needs to start with us, where we're weeping before God, where we're, Holy Spirit, examine me. And allowing the same Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You know, it's it's those characteristics of goodness and self-control is the same Holy Spirit helps us to intercede and gives us this prophetic kind of edge and perspective. And those two things are not in conflict. So the same Holy Spirit that's given you this itch and this call to intercession and to be prophetically kind of hawkish. It's the same Holy Spirit that calls you to be kind, calls you to be supportive, calls you to be gentle, calls you to be filled with joy, gives you the ability to have self-control. And we need to exercise both of those things. And so from my experience, humility always begins by recognizing this. Everything in my church may not be the way that I want it. It might not even be the way that Jesus wants it, but it's in process. My job is to support, it's to encourage, And it's to personally model this and live a lifestyle of hiddenness. You know, for years and years and years, I was involved as a a young leader in a church that did not value those things. But as frustrating as that was, it helped me develop a lifestyle of hiddenness because nobody else saw it. But it was like Jesus was saying, are you still going to do it? Are you going to be faithful? Yeah. Uh, is it required of you to have perfect conditions before you act in humility towards those who are leaders? Can you still serve my body? Can you still serve those who are in, in front of you with joy? You know, Jesus says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness. You know, Psalm says, serve the Lord with joy, with joyfulness. So we can serve the Lord with joy in our church and we can be part of the solution. I would just say, look at the church, what prayer meetings are there that you can go to? And if it's a small group setting, can you get involved with that and lead a prayer meeting where you're, can you go to the senior pastor and say, pastor, this is a little key right here, because every pastor wants people to pray for them because you have no Mm. idea the battles they're going for. Can you go to the pastor and say, pastor, the Lord wants me to tell you that I'm going to be a prayer warrior to lift up your hands. So whatever God puts in your heart and whatever you feel comfortable sharing, me and whoever else, you let us know and we're going to pray for you. We have your back. I'll tell you what, you do that, you're going to bring wind into that pastor's sails and he's going to trust you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're, at whatever level you can, you can be a blessing, you can serve and you can pray, you can develop a life of hiddenness, do that.
Yeah, so good. Really helpful. Thank you for that. Really yeah. good. So as you're seeing and sensing what the Lord's doing and stirring, I, I wonder, are there any any scriptures that the Lord's bringing to your heart? I mean, is there anything that you feel like is really relevant for this season in any particular verses that you find yourself going back to in terms of like what the Lord's doing right now in 2023? Yeah, I mean, there there's several. I Coming into this year, the Holy Spirit on right around Christmas time began to Im- impress upon me, obviously, Hosea chapter 10, just about it's time to seek the Lord, to break up the fallow ground. So that's kind of been an, a thing personally that I've been going back through. It's been a difficult year in many ways, practically, personally, for our family. We went through the loss of a uh, premature grandchild. My daughter mm-hmm. gave birth to premature twin uh, girls at 24 weeks, and one passed away. Wow. They were delivered on Ascension Day, and Reese, who's named after Reese Howells, mm-hmm. went home to be with the Lord on Pentecost Sunday. And so walking with our family through that, when you go through tragedy and you go through difficulty on a personal level, that happens to everybody. You have to be so careful that you don't allow your heart to get hard or that you push distance between you and the Lord. And so Hosea, Hosea 10 for me has just been this renewed emphasis upon keeping my heart right and plowing and seeking after the Lord and, and not, not allowing there to be distance. But at the same token for the church, I've been stuck on Joel 2 and Acts 2. I really believe before we can see an Acts 2 outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we have to have a Joel 2 response where, you know, it's it's seeking the Lord, it's weeping between porch and altar. It's helping our church get to that place. It's helping the body of Christ as a whole come back to the place where we recognize right now, when we look at the context and the culture in which we live in, we've never seen darker times. I really believe that. And there's a tendency in the church for us to respond to darkness with either a political spirit of getting engaged in the political rancor of our day or responding in hopelessness and isolation. And I believe there's an invitation from the Lord, this Isaiah 60, to arise, shine, and recognize that this is an hour where if we'll respond appropriately to the Lord, if we'll respond in a place of prayer as our priority, that God's going to release his glory on the church. That's exactly what he wants to happen. Darkness isn't, you know, we look at darkness and say, oh, we're near the end. God looks at darkness and he recognizes, oh, this is just the beginning. When Mm. you look at Genesis 1, he called the first day out of darkness. Everything he created, he called out of darkness. So darkness is God's beginning when man thinks it's his end. So as we look at culture and go, things are getting dark, it's going to be the end. God says, no, it's the setup. It's the setup. And I'm going to respond to the darkness by putting my glory on my people and calling them forth to arise and shine in that hour. So I really believe that that's the call, that's the mandate on the church right now, is to respond appropriately. It's not to react. It's to go to our knees in prayer. It's to call and consecrate a holy fast. We're in the middle of a fast right now here. Hmm. We do that 21 days uh, at the beginning of the year, and we've got thousands of people involved in prayer and fasting in our in our church. Because if we'll do that, God will respond with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2 outpouring. So those are scriptures that are right now very alive to me, and uh, we're giving a lot of attention to them. Yeah, so good. 
I'm, I'm working on writing my second book and about prayer. And I was literally this morning working on the chapter on fasting and prayer and, and writing about Joel 2 and Acts 2. Hey, let me just say, I love your book, by the way, Matthew. That Thank your you. book on the <laughs> Tabernacle of David was excellent. We had it at the conference. I don't know if you know that. Um, but that. a lot of our people picked that up and it was super, super helpful. Good. Thank you for that encouragement. I appreciate that. Well, I'd love to uh, I'd love to kind of pull on some wisdom from you, Lee. I know you've been leading for a while now and, and you have this amazing journey. And in some ways it seems incredible. You know, there's this church that's grown and there's this network and that kind of thing, but also can't imagine some of the struggles, <laughs> some of the challenges, some of the lessons you've learned along the way. So I'd love to hear from you on what are some of those lessons you have learned through the struggles? What Were there some key moments in your journey where you hit walls and God really taught you something important in those, in those moments? Oh, yeah. I mean, countless, <laughs> countless. I mean, you know, where to begin on that? I, I think, sure, you yeah. know, if you go back, if you go back into the beginning days of the journey, I think there are, just as a leader, it's where you have to wrestle with how God has uniquely wired you. And mm. every leader is a unique expression of God's creativity. But in our beginning phases, I think a lot of what God does is he deals with us on the issues of our identity. In the early years, it was trying to figure out what is this tangled ball of yarn on the inside of me that uh, doesn't feel like I fit anywhere and I can't find a tribe or I can't find a leader that you know you want to imitate, but yet there's things that you're drawing from lots of different environments. And uh, my background's very eclectic. My grandparents were Pentecostal holiness, and All then right. I spent uh, probably eight years of childhood in a United Methodist church, kind of high liturgical church. Then I learned how to memorize the Bible at Awanas in a Baptist church. I got go. saved in you know baptized in the Holy Spirit in an Assembly of God church. I went to Bible college in a non-charismatic, mid-acts, dispensationalist Bible college, <laughs> married a Christian reform woman, and then uh, started a non-denominational church. So, you know, wow. I've, I've been around the map. And yeah. uh, so in those early years, just trying to figure out what's, what's this thing? Yeah, who am I? Yeah. And who am I? And I think what you figure out really quickly is that Saul's armor did not fit David, and you have to be uniquely who God has designed you to be. So that's, you know, the early days in the 20s, you know, and you're trying to build something to prove yourself. But I think from God's perspective, and I'm speaking to all those potential leaders that are maybe in their 20s, early 30s, God is much more concerned with developing you and your inner life and your sense of identity. So don't allow your heart to become so focused on the things that you do as much as who you're becoming. Let the Holy Spirit really have his, his work in you. And then, you know, throughout the years, there's if you're going to build something and you're going to lead a church, you're going to have people that come and go, and you're going to have disappointment, and you're going to have people that don't believe in what God's called you to do, and that's hard, you know, to see people leave that you love. And see people look you in the eye and basically don't believe in what you're doing, tell you all the reasons why it won't work, but yet to go back and be convinced that God has called you to it. Some of the hardest, I would say, challenges that I've faced, to be honest, uh, have been built around contending for prayer in the church. 
And yeah. we talk about this here on our staff, but it's true that every time that we've attempted to do something prayer oriented, it's like the legions of hell have just come after that thing. Uh, yeah. If you want to build a building, that's fine. But you want to start a prayer room, watch out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I would say, you know, this is what I tell pastors who want to build prayer into the center of their church. Yeah. It is, a, it's like rolling a boulder up, up a mountain. It has to be you. If you're going to have prayer in your church, or if you're going to contend for prayer and revival, then you're going to have to put your shoulder to it and roll it and just recognize if you take your pressure off of it, it rolls right back down. So mm. throughout the years of, you know, fighting those battles of no, 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 hey, no, this is what we're building our church on. We're going to say a thousand no's so we can say one yes. And mm. the disappointments that come with that and the slow progress that comes with that, those have been challenges. And I, I would probably just say this, that sum it all up is, you have to not quit. You just have to stay true. Wait for God to answer you. Uh, recognize that we always overestimate what we can do in the short term, and we underestimate what we can do in the long term, and just put your shoulder to it and don't give up. And I guess that's probably what I am. I'm just a plotter, man. I just put my shoulder down and just go after it. Yeah, so good. So good. I think it was Mike Bickle said, if you don't quit, you win. And That's it longer you continue on in ministry, the more you realize how true that is. My wife calls it stubbornness, but it's, I, I, call, it, I call it perseverance. There you go. <laughs> Diligence. Yeah. Th this may be a related question to what you just said, or it could be something totally different, but if you could go back to Lee Cummings in the late nineties and give yourself some advice, what would you say? Oh, first of all, I would help me on my haircuts. So that <laughs> sure. Some fashion sense, yeah. <laughs> those, pictures, those pictures never go away. And <laughs> I would tell myself to enjoy the journey more. Mm. I, I think there was a lot of anxiety and stress and pressure that was self-imposed, that was not rooted in the confidence of the Lord. It was more rooted in a sense of trying to prove myself an insecurity as a leader. And I would love to sit down with the 28, 29-year-old me and just say, you know what? God's going to be faithful. You be who he's made you to be and just trust that God's going to bring it all to pass and you can enjoy the journey. Just enjoy it. Uh, enjoy your kids. Enjoy your wife. Don't, you know, don't, don't be in such a hurry. Just let it play out. So I think probably more than anything, that would, that would be my encouragement. Yeah. So good. Awesome. This has been amazing, Lee. I would love for you to share just a little bit as we get close to, to wrapping it up here about some of the, some of the resources you have some of the stuff you guys have going on. I've got your book here, the School of the Spirit book. There it is. Uh, and so I know that you've got some different resources, both yourself and, and through Radiant. So yeah, we just kind of love to open the, the floor for you to just kind of share like what's, what's happening right now in your world. Is there other ways people can connect and continue to glean from what you guys are doing? Well, we have a lot of resources on our YouTube channel, which is the Radiant channel. So if you go there every morning, at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we broadcast from our, our prayer room. And uh, so those are all on there, as well as services and some different teaching resources and conference, things like that. That's a great resource. Our website is radiant.church. And on there, there's a lot of books. We have some radiant uh, city music. So a lot of songs that have been born out of our prayer room. 
are available on the Spotify playlists and Apple playlists. I've written several books, as you mentioned, School of the Spirits, the newest one, and uh, that's available on Amazon, or you can go to liamcummings.com, where we have some of my book resources. The message I taught on the thousand tent poles of David's Tabernacle, we're writing that into a book right now, so that's going to be available. Hopefully, that's going to come out before our conference in May. And for any of your listeners that are looking for a place to come and to join in with praying churches, maybe they're looking for a tribe to belong to or uh, to get inspired by our conference, which is called Arise Shine Conference, is this May, May 1st and 2nd here at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo. So you can look up Arise Shine Conference or you can go to radiant.church and uh, track it down. All things Radiant on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is at the Radiant City. So that's all our socials. Mine are at Lee M. Cummings. I'm terrible at social stuff. So (laughs) Lee M. Cummings. So you can track along with us there. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. We encourage folks to to do that, especially to pick up some of your books and uh, continue to receive from the amazing things God's doing there. Hey, I wonder if we could close out, if you could just pray for us, Lee, and pray for anyone that's listening and just just an encouragement into some of the things that we've been talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Father, I just thank you for this connection that Matthew and I have been able to just take a few moments and talk about what you're doing in the earth and what you're doing at this hour in your church here and really around the nations of the world. And Lord, we want to live our lives from an eternal perspective, not just looking through our own little lens of our world and and our experience. But Father, we want to go to the 30,000 foot view and we want to see from the eternal kingdom that exists and your kingdom that is coming on the earth. Yes. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that right now for every listener, wherever they're at, whatever their context is, whatever their age is, whatever their role is, Lord, sons and daughters of God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us eyes to see and a sense of urgency in our spirit for the hour in which we live in to partner with you partner in the place of prayer to develop deep inner lives and inner connections with you, to be encouraged by your Holy Spirit, to be encouraged by your word, and to be used by you and to join in in what you're doing right now. So Lord, I just pray that. I pray courage, I pray strength, boldness, that you're raising up a generation in this hour right now, all across the context, those that are known big in towns and churches that are small, God, you're speaking and you're moving. And so we pray that, Lord, you would call forth the intercessors, call forth praying churches. Let us be a generation that does more than read about moves of God in previous generations, but let us steward your Holy Spirit in a revival and awakenings in our lifetimes. Lord, just like Jim LaFoon said, Lord, we join in with Jesus's great intercessory prayer Mm. one more time. Lord, pour out your spirit. One more time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Lee, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We would love for you to hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're using so that you can continue to get episodes like this every month. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor and please share it with your friends and post it on social media. Be sure to tag Awaken the Dawn in your post so that we can reshare that with all of our friends as well. If you're tuning in on Apple, 
please leave us a rating or a review. And if you're on YouTube, give us that thumbs up like button and leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of today's episode. And we really appreciate it. Finally, please visit our website at awakenthedawn.com. You can find out more about our ministry and movement, and you can also make a donation to help support this podcast and the Awaken the Dawn ministry. Thank you again for tuning in today, and don't forget, Jesus changes everything.